The scripture reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. And this is on page 916 in your pew Bibles. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after supper, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. This morning we come to the Lord's table. It's Communion Sunday in the Baptist tradition. We celebrate that the first Sunday of every month. And we join with thousands of other Christians on this day who celebrate communion around the Lord's table. Uh, many other faiths celebrate it once a, uh, once a week, and maybe even other times during the week. Some other faiths do it only a few times a year, like the Presbyterians' church uh, don't do it on a regular basis. They do it maybe four times a year or something to that effect. Uh, among among the um, the more liturgical churches, the 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 Lord's table communion is what's called a sacrament. And we don't call it a sacrament as Baptists. We call it an ordinance. And I want to talk a little bit about that. The, in, in some churches, in some faith, where the, the bread and the cup are a sacrament, and what that basically means is that it is a transmitter of God's grace. A, pray, a priest or someone who's been anointed for that purpose passes on the grace of God on to the elements of communion and that and as we partake of those elements God's grace is imparted to us and that's why when you go to catholic mass it's the 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 wine and the bread is treated very carefully it's not left around afterwards it's kept in a if you've ever been to mass it's kept in a locked box sometimes and the priest will unlock it and pull it out there and then whatever's left over is put back and this is also why the priest has to finish the wine drink it all that's a nice little uh, you know <laughs> little thing we have to do right but uh, when the baptist churches when the early baptists got together they started they, one of the things that that really compelled the early reformations and the the Baptists among them uh, among many others was the notion that really grace is only come is only transmitted to us through God's Holy Spirit that 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 is the transmitter of grace and it's not dependent on any person who's been anointed right there's nothing special about pastor curtis speaking the words over the elements that imparts god's grace on it uh, but it is the holy spirit that imparts that grace now i'm not I, i'm drawing these distinctions not to say look how much better we are but just to say there's a difference there and there's a reason we call these are uh, uh, this an ordinance versus a sacrament uh, however what i what and and because of that, we can, you know, we can use graham crackers, or we can use Wonder Bread, or we can use unleavened bread. We can use bread that's been lovingly prepared just for this purpose by someone in the congregation. I've even been in communions where they used coffee and donuts, and uh, that's a little much for me. But <laughs> you know, and the reason we can say we can do that is because these 
these things here on the table, these elements, are symbolic. And that's what an ordinance means. It means it's a symbol. Uh, it's a sign of something that has transformed within us. Something that the Holy Spirit has imparted to us. It's a reflection of God's grace on us. But it is not the vehicle of that grace is kind of how we approach that. Other churches do it very differently. It's also why we, use, we can get away with using grape juice versus real wine. You can thank, uh, you can thank a young deacon, well actually he was pretty old, uh, an old deacon in the Wesleyan church, the Methodist church, the early Methodist church, during the temperance movement, uh, a dentist who wanted to um, uh, provide non-alcoholic wine for communion because he was real caught up in the, in the uh, whole temperance movement there. So uh, um, uh, Thomas Welch invented a process for pasteurizing uh, grape juice and provided that for communion. It was Thomas's son who really capitalized on that and made a company called Welch's Grape Juice <laughs> that we that we get that now. But this is it was all a product of the temperance movement that and and science ultimately that allows us to have grape juice instead of uh, real wine. Now you can you can chalk that up as a good thing or a bad thing, however you want. But that is it is our tradition. Um, and we can do that because, again, the, the, it's not the, the drink that gives us the grace. It's God's Holy Spirit. And it's in that spirit that we gather here today to reflect the sign and the symbolism of this bread and this cup and what it represents. Christ's body broken for you and you know, for each of us, that might mean something very different. For us, uh, for each of us, it might mean that what, what Jesus died for was a cause, was an idea, was the notion that God loves so passionately and so universally that God loves everybody. And shame on those who try to keep God's love away. And for that, Jesus was killed, executed on a Roman cross. Because he stood up and said, you cannot oppress people because they are God's people. For others, it becomes a very personal symbol of, of how Christ reached out to us and said, those things that you think are so bad in your life are no obstacle to God's love in your life. Your sins are forgiven. And the bread becomes the body of Christ which is broken for the remission of sins. To say to us, your sins do not get in the way of the fullness of life and the love of God lavished on you through Christ who lives today. So it becomes that very personal thing. And maybe it symbolizes many other things. Maybe it symbolizes for you the body that we gather in together and the oneness of this table. The cup also has its own symbolism. Uh, Jesus said, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. And I suppose for me, on a very personal level, I see this as a, as a moment when we come to the cup. A moment when I can really embrace for myself 
you know what? I'm not perfect. But I think God knows that. (laughs) And God wants a deep, meaningful relationship with me anyway. And so often it's my own sinfulness that keeps me away from Christ, but not away from God, not because God is holding me at bay, but because I'm going, God, I'm not worthy. And what the cup says to you and me is worthy schmurthy. Right? Worthy schmurthy. It doesn't God doesn't care that you're not worthy. God wants a relationship with you anyway. God doesn't care that you're a mess. God doesn't care that you foul up and don't do everything perfectly right. Don't let that get between you and the love of the Creator of the universe. And that's what this cup says. It says, as you drink this in, drink in the grace and mercy and forgiveness that God desires to lavish on you. The cup uh, in John, Jesus turns water into wine. Not only does Jesus turn water into wine, Jesus turns water into really good wine. (laughs) Not only does Jesus turn water into really good wine, but Jesus turns water into really good wine after all the other wine was drank up. So you can imagine what kind of party this is, right? So Jesus says, you know what? I know we're, we're out of wine. That's all right. There's plenty more. Drink all you like. We'll make more. And they scoop it up and man, they party on. <laughs> well, now this isn't a... I hope you get that this is a metaphor. <laughs> the, Jesus is not endorsing uh, drunken you know, mayhem uh, on the weekends, right? What Jesus is endorsing here, wine in John is a symbol for grace. Right? Grace We drink it up and we have our fill and we think it's gone, but what God says, nope, there's plenty more. Drink it up. Gallon after gallon. Get drunk on grace. Amen? Get a little tipsy on grace. Embrace the grace, right? Bring on more. The cup reminds us of God's extraordinary intoxicating grace to abundance overflowing much 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 more than that little cup we give you right (laughs) it's kind of a disappointment really when we're talking about grace we should be drinking a bunch and it's an it's a moment for us the table represents a moment for you and for me to Accept that grace and to embrace the love that God has for us. We go through our month or our week or our time, whatever that is in your tradition. We go through our time and we forget about it. And we start to feel ugly again. And we start to feel unworthy again. And we start to behave as someone who's not a part of the kingdom of God. And we start to give in to our basest instincts within ourselves, our selfishness and our self-importance. And we forget. And we forget. 
how glorious it is to be a part of the body of Christ. And then we can come to this table gathered together with people who through Christ love us together. And we are one together around this table. Eating together was such a significant thing in the Bible. In Jesus' time, it was, it was as intimate as kissing someone on the lips. It was an intimate thing to eat together. And so to say that we gather around the Lord's table is to say we have a connection. And we can come after all that time of feeling disconnected. We can reconnect with Christ. We can say, you know what? I've missed you, Jesus. I've been missing out. But here, right now, here we are together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we can share that experience with a community. Oh, 